Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. <laughs> What's happening? I don't know. This is episode 168 of the Avenging Hour, where we talk about avenging comics of the Avengers. <laughs> and this is issue number 294 from August of 1988. It is a Walt Simonson John Buscema joint. That was almost 33 years ago? No. 20. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I am old. <laughs> wow. Oof. How are these comics still being held together? This is not turned to dust. On the cover, it says, Who Leads the Avengers? That's not the title of the issue, though. No, the title is If Wishes Were Horses, which is, of course, of course. I don't know if it's of course. Of course it's from a nursery course. rhyme. And we begin. Tell me, tell me the rest of the nursery rhyme. Because uh, I don't remember that line. I remember another If Something Were Something. If Something Were Something. If Something Were. If, it's exactly how it goes. If if something and something. Wait, what was it? If If, nips if and, Wishes Were Horses, Beggars Would Ride. No, that's not the thing I was thinking of. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> there, was, wish- there was some saying that parents used to say to their kids, if, if it, something and if knows and something were that, then that on the world would be... Uh, never mind. What's it from? If wishes were horses, beggars would ride. If turnips were watches, I'd wear one by my side. If ifs and ands were pots and pans, there'd be no work for Tinker's hands. If ifs and buts were... <laughs> Salt roasted nuts. Wait, I, <laughs> <laughs> there's something in there about ifs and buts and and parents yeah, right. parents like telling the kid, you know, basically, don't just do it and shut up. That was like the saying, just do it and shut up. No, that's Nike. The Avengers are in their Quinjet uh, after the <laughs> events of last issue, and Dane Whitman is going crazy. This this splash page opens with a gargg and Dane Whitman foaming at the mouth. So, if you remember last issue, Namor used the knight's ebony blade to kill his wife, Marina. Mm. And even though Namor used the blade and Dane did not, the ebony blade has a curse on it. If it if it uh, tastes blood, since it belongs to Dane, Dane now has the curse of the ebony blade upon him. Is it just human blood? I don't think so. Like if he was apparently out, not, because she wasn't human. If he was out to dinner and like got ordered a steak and like used the ebony blade to cut the steak, better be well done. Would he have like mad cow disease? <laughs> well, like if the steak's already dead and cooked, does that count? So here's the thing: <laughs> he's not drawing blood on a on a steak that's already been cut. Not to continue to pick on Walt Simonson. But th- that's not actually the curse of the ebony blade. The actual curse of the ebony blade, as it was set down. When it was originally, when when it was created in, in real history, Comics. yeah, when it was created in Marvel <laughs> Comics, the curse of the Ebony Blade was said to be that if the blade was used to do evil, then it would, uh, it would there would be a curse on the on the on the owner. You do realize that you're you're arguing that that the guy did the made up thing wrong. Yes, that's what exactly. Okay, right. isn't that what isn't that all comics fans do? Isn't that what we do for this whole show? Yeah, we argue with things. So theoretically, there should be no curse on Dane because the blade was not used to do evil. Well, I mean, it depends on your definition. It, the blade was used to murder someone. I, it was used to whether pre- it was for a good reason or not doesn't really matter. The other thing is that the curse of the ebony blade works differently because the last time the curse of the ebony blade was visited on Dane after he'd used the sword for like 20 years in the Crusades he turned into a no though that's how he got in the Crusades he turned turned into into a stone statue the last time this and and got stuck in Doctor Strange's closet exactly (laughs) that was what happened the last time the the curse was uh, 
was visited on him. And then it also, the curse was also visited on him after the Crusades and Doctor Strange cleansed it. And in that point in time, he just got really angry at everyone. At what point does he put the Ebony Blade in the closet and make his lightsaber? Uh, in about five or six years. Mm, okay. So In our time, not comics time. As soon as the Black Knight is touching the Ebony Blade, he stops going crazy. Yeah, he's freaking out. He's going to like wreck the, the Quinjet because he keeps slamming into Dr. Druid's back as he's trying to fly. And the Avengers... So everything's calm again. The Avengers continue what they were doing before Dane went freaky, and that was trying to find Captain Marvel, who last issue turned into lightning and attacked Marina, and we have not seen her since. And... Uh... It seems like Dr. Druid's like, screw this, I don't want to do this anymore. I've laid a course for it. It sounds like he's saying they're going to head home, and She-Hulk freaks out on him. And is like, no, we're going to find her. And he's like, uh, relax, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And they do search and So search. they look for her for three more panels and then give up. Well, they, they look for her until they're beginning to run low on fuel. And I like that when they're beginning to run low on fuel, Dr. Druid's like, we're running out of fuel. Can we go home, Jennifer? <laughs> Are you satisfied? So they get back and Dr. Druid's like, the Avengers are like, let's do something. And Dr. Druid's like, dude, I am old and fat. I'm going to go take a nap. (laughs) These robes are exhausting. So he goes and takes a nap. He doesn't actually want to take a nap. He just wants to go back to his dreamland with his hot chick. And his hot chick comes to him wearing her Kang outfit. Oops. May Star Fox's soul burn in hellfire forever. I've forgotten to complete the dream weaving. And here's where we run into a problem. Because this tells us that Walt Simonson clearly intended for this to be the nebula we had met before. Right, because she would know Star Fox. And if this is Ravona, why Star Fox like her uncle or great uncle? uncle It's her uncle or great uncle. And so if if it is the Terminatrix, why in the world is she swearing on Star Fox's Mm. soul? Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. But that's fine. We're just going to forget it. It's one line. (laughs) Maybe she meant another Star Fox. Yeah, that's a common maybe, name. Maybe one of the Kangs named himself Star Fox. <laughs> well, and I mean, see, I can retcon anything. In 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 space, Star Fox is a common name. I mean, it's like Smith. <laughs> Every other person's named Star Fox. Uh. So in this dream, so she pulls Doctor Druid back to the dream realm, where some giant horned beastie is destroying his kingdom. Oh, not just some. It's the Destructicon. One of the worst Decepticons ever created. One of Megatron's worst ideas. How did you combine a bunch of robots to make a Godzilla lizard? Took and, some funky twisting there. And Dr. Druid's like, she's like, you have to stop it. And Dr. Druid's like, woman, have you seen me? How am I going to stop this thing? What am I going to cast an illusion at it? And she's like, have you seen you? And bloom, he's got a new costume. Which at least is, it's not a great costume, but at least it doesn't have a 50 pound cloak on it. And he's like, apparently, I feel like I can, yep, I can fly. And I have all this power. <laughs> he just trusted himself. He jumped out a window. <laughs> I feel like I could almost, oh, yeah, I'm flying. That's probably good. So he, with his new power, with his new Superman level, whatever strength, he starts punching this critter. Yeah, he just keeps bashing into it. And it's, he's like, haha, you can't catch me too slow. Yeah, he's having a fun time playing with it. Up high, down low. Until uh, the the creature is still killing his the people who live in this realm, and he's like, "Oh, that's right, I should save them." So then he blasts his eye beams. I didn't know I had eye beams. I mean, look at that punch before he knocks its uh, he punches its fingernails off. <laughs> <laughs> that's just mean. Wow. I didn't even know. Or those teeth? Oh, no, that's the inside of his mouth. He punches two of its teeth out. Although fingernail that would have been hilarious. I, I punch, wish it was punched your claws off, you jerk. Uh. Yeah, he uses eye beams. He's like, whatever. I guess they're psychic eye beams. Does he not think that this is weird? I think 
I mean, I, you know, humans are very good. He's at, a mystic guy. Like, isn't he in tune with brain waves? Is he not realize he's being manipulated? I mean, you could certainly make the argument that he should, or does he want to be because it's a hot chick and he's like, yeah, yo. I think there's, I think there's three things going on here. I believe it's suggested. <laughs> Someone thinks I'm attractive. <laughs> it is suggested at some point in time, and it might be later on in this storyline. I think it's later on in the storyline, and I think it's also suggested when Druid comes back after the storyline that Nebula Terminatrix is using some kind of low-level psychic push on him. Yeah. And then you also have the fact that... Well, yeah, we see her later on. We'll see her silhouette like behind him suggesting things yes. to the other teammates. And, she, and also, of course, then you have the fact that I think he's excited because she's a beautiful woman and he's excited because he. I think he's always wanted these kind of powers, yeah. both both the physical powers and the actual power of being in charge of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So I think it all works together for him to fool himself. So he beats this creature, he gets a parade, and then he gets to have sexy time with the woman. Right? That's a suge- Speaking of suggestive, there's a panel for you. Yeah. She's got her, she's laying down on these pillows with her butt aimed towards him going, the victor's laurels are yours, my lord. I mean, it looks very uncomfortable. She's going to have to go to the chiropractor. <laughs> I don't believe that, because you shouldn't be able to see it's her like butt. one of those Milo Minara paintings where the woman's like all twisted around. Yeah, you can see her butt and her face is looking straight at you at the same time. And that seems like it should be physically impossible, but. <sighs> In who any case. That? Sorry, who, who did the, uh, who was it that did that drawing of Spider-Woman? Do you remember, do you remember the one I'm talking about? Where she was oh. like on the side of a building, but her butt was like sticking up. And was that Frank Cho? That's what I was gonna say. It was Frank Cho? He was doing a lot of covers back then. And then people like made fun of it and were doing like interpretations of it. Yeah. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Like you broke her spine. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> so yeah, he gets the woman. But meanwhile, what? Let's flash back to what the rest of the Avengers are doing. And <laughs> Tane Whitman has encased himself in an iron lung. Yes, because apparently he's starting to his his still is he going to turn to stone? I think I don't think stone. I think he's basically turning into metal. Okay, he's going to become the ebony blade. Kind of, yeah. No. I believe at some point in time, does he get sharp? I yes, he does. <laughs> he like poke into people and cut them. I don't, and know. then it makes it worse. I, <laughs> I damn, I drew blood again. I'm not sure if it happens in this storyline or if it happens because after this, he leaves this book and goes to Thor. Hmm. Uh, but at some point in time, someone basically uses him as a giant sword. <laughs> See, he's wearing armor. It's just bad armor. Like, why couldn't he get Thor's armor? Yeah, it's the most. It's it's. Didn't Thor have his armor left over that he didn't need anymore? He could have given it to him. Yes. He's right there. <laughs> he's standing there looking at him, probably snickering. And Jarvis explains that his, the armor and mail he's wearing can't be removed. So I guess Jarvis was how, trying to strip him of his armor. How did they put him on? How did they put it on him if he can't take it off? Well, and also... I superglued it to his skin. I'm sorry. How does, I know that this is silly and this is what a 12-year-old would ask, but how does he go to the bathroom mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. he can't take his armor off? Is there a zipper in it? So yeah, he's starting to grow stiff and he puts this armor on because he can't support his own weight. Those two things don't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure what one has to do with the other. Plus, he then goes off on a tirade, and we see that he's also having some emotional mood swings. <laughs> some bloodlust mood swings. So, yeah, we got a whole page of that explanation. And, and this exoskeleton he puts on, where did this come from? Because we're led to believe it's been, I don't know, like a half an hour since he got back. How quickly did he put this together? That thing is totally encasing his groin, front and back. Yeah. He is going to die. <laughs> it's, it's just going to be pee coming out of the seams of that thing. 
he's gonna rust the armor right off. <laughs> it looks so ridiculous. It looks like he's wearing an iron diaper. <laughs> like I, the Black Knight looks kind of cool, and now they made him look like an idiot. Well, the other thing is, this is supposedly an exoskeleton, yeah. which means it's helping well, him sure. move. It's but on the you outside. look at this thing, there's nothing in this thing that looks like it's got any mechanical parts uh, to it. It yeah. looks like it makes him heavier. No, there, there's braces on his arms. I'm not sure what they're attached to. Did they drill it into his actual bones? <laughs> if he can't support his own weight, why doesn't he have anything on his legs? It's just on his torso and his forearms. Which would make it harder for his legs because you've just <laughs> added, added more weight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then when when he goes off... I hope he grows a beard, too. <laughs> Just like Thor. <laughs> Thor suggests calling in some reserves. Since they've lost two Avengers last issue, they can't find Captain Marvel and the Black Knight somewhat yes. in- incapacitated. Makes sense. And Dane just goes off in this tirade about other Avengers, which I find great. Uh, the Wasp is no brain surgeon. Hercules was an airhead. Mantis became a cosmic valley girl. The Black Widow was always a waste. Star Fox a mincing fop. Eesh. And the rest of them weren't worth a tinker's dam. A tinker's dam. Uh, Who were the rest of them? Could he? He couldn't remember anybody else. <laughs> he hasn't even been around that long. He doesn't know who some of the past members are. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, you picked Mantis. When did you meet Mantis? <laughs> what Steve Englehart comic have you ever been in? Crazy. Was Mantis around when he was in the Masters of Evil? Isn't this the same Black Knight from Masters of Evil? Yeah, the disguised the second Masters of Evil. But he was she wasn't around then. She didn't show up. He, that was like issue I don't know fifty fifty three. And that was the one where Jarvis was sulking around in the yeah. So and we also find out that Black Knight is getting a new power, and that power is that to as his, a lot as his body stiffens. Sir, wine a lot. His senses seemed sharpened to a razor's edge, and he can tells that he can tells he can tell that something is in the compound. What compound? The Hydra base. Mm. Look, he calls it a compound. No, he did. Fight with Dane, not me. So the Avengers split up like the Scooby gang to see if they can't find out what's going on. What's in the Avengers compound. (laughs) A really weird side effect. As my body stiffens, my senses seemed sharpened to a razor's edge. So they all split up and walk out of the room. And as soon as they do, Dane's like, oh, wait, it's here. So they all turn around and go right back to where they were. Where they see an energy form materializing. Do you think John Buscema changed the plot? He was like, I'm not drawing another room. Like, it's just going to happen right here. (laughs) And we see Captain Marvel appear, but she looks wasted. Literally. Yeah, she's very thin. She looks like she weighs about 40 pounds. Her costume is just hanging off of her. And her eyes are like sparkling like lightning. And she, so Thor grabs her and is taking her to the hospital. Meanwhile, back with Nebula, and now we see Nebula out of her out of her Kang armor, and she is completely blue, and what? looks. I mean, she looks exactly like Nebula looked like the mm-hmm. last time John Buscema drew her. Yep, yep. I see it now. I put it all together. I just assumed that's what, there's just some woman, and that's what she looked like under a Kang costume. I didn't even think. She goes. She's going back to. She's turning herself Caucasian again, so that she can go continue to uh, suck up, maybe literally, to Doctor Druid. And she goes into the breakthrough way where there is a series of buttons. <laughs> this is the dumbest machine that Marvel's ever invented. <laughs> Direction. I, I love that there's directions above the buttons first. Yes, there are directions above the buttons and the buttons say way out, far out, and way in. She's going far out. Yeah, there's another out above way out, but we can't see what that one is. I'd love to know. But the directions for warp hatch use, it has five steps, and each step looks like one word. <laughs> what is that? 
stop, look, listen, stop, drop, and roll. I don't. <laughs> Meanwhile, Prime Kang, our Kang, is, Fred, Fred, <laughs> is following along somehow. Uh, watching what she's doing because he doesn't trust her. Come on, he clearly explains how he's doing it. There's an internal monitor within his armored helmet. So he looks like he's not moving, but he's actually watching all this happen. And the rest of the Kangs, it will never really be that important who most of the Kangs on the Council of Crosstime Kangs are, but we have three main Kangs. There's Goatee Gang. (laughs) Goatee Kang and then two others. Which one of them gets named here at some point. And it's a really stupid name and I can't remember what it is. Well, Goatee Kang. Oh, is, there it is, Kang Cobra. One of them is named Kang Cobra, and and Goatee Kang is named Lord Kang. No, sure, he's got a goatee. So they can tell that Prime Kang is up to something, but they can't tell what it is because he's using something else that makes it look like he's flittering around, or like they can't get a lock on his image because he's made it look like he's in a hundred places at the same time. Yes. Meanwhile, Nebula is flying through space-time? She's going to find Dr. Druid. Through a really bad Steve Ditko drawing? Yeah. And meanwhile, meanwhile, the Avengers (laughs) have gotten Monica Rambeau's parents and are bringing them to see their daughter in the hospital. Oh, lordy. And boy, oh boy, she lost weight everywhere but in her hair. And boy, oh boy, her mom really puts on the New Orleans slang. She's talking about hominy and chicken. She calls her honey child. (laughs) Yeah. She basically says, I'm taking you home to fatten you up. Mm-hmm. I'm, which, to be fair, at this point in time, yes, eat a hamburger. My gosh. Yeah, her head looks weird. Yeah. I think she, I think he's trying to draw her like, you know, her cheeks are all sunken in. Yeah, but it looks creepy. Yeah, it really does. It doesn't look right. So Monica Rambeau is leaving the team to go back. With... But wait, wait, wait. Before she leaves. Yes. We need to figure out who's going to be leader if she's going to be incapacitated. Yeah, and some of the Avengers, basically She-Hulk, think think it's rude for him to be like, hey, uh, parents, go wait in the hall. We're going to have an election. No, this needs to be done. And Dr. Druid nominates himself. And this is where Nebula comes into play. Because he's like, everybody else gets to vote. What does everybody else think? I like when when Dr. Druid's explaining why he should be the leader because the other three are just not fit for the task, he says, and the She-Hulk, with all due respect, fails to project the proper image of leadership while wearing purple leotards. Right, and she says, can you beat that? I suppose white tights are okay. Why did she say that? Yeah, who's wearing white tights? Right? So in any case, yeah, so Nebula is here, and she is helping Dr. Druid use his mental powers to force all the Avengers to mind control them into voting for him. Yeah, like, you can clearly tell that Thor doesn't want to. Thor is the only one that fights it. And he's like, ah, something's weird. This doesn't seem... Oh, never mind. You can be the leader, sure. Not Thor. Thor's like... Thor says, nope, I'm... Thor fights it and is like, nope, I vote for myself. Doesn't he eventually? Nope. Oh, I thought he did. Everybody else. The other... The Black Knight, Captain Marvel, and She-Hulk are all... Are all mind-controlled by Dr. Druid into voting for him, but Thor manages to fight it away. Oh, right. He says that he would make the best choice, but he'll abide by the decision of the majority. And She-Hulk's like, yeah, I don't think... Oh, wait, no, Dr. Druid. (laughs) Yeah. And Black Knight's like, I don't know that... Yep, nope, Dr. Druid. We can tell that Dr. Druid's already going to be a horrible leader because he calls the Rambos back in and says he's personally going to see to the necessary arrangements to return them and their daughter to Atlanta. (laughs) Where you don't live. (laughs) No, they live in New Orleans. (laughs) So obviously he's going to be horrible. Uh, That seems somewhat racist. (laughs) (laughs) And then they all go to the airport to see her, to wave her goodbye to her plane. Yep. 
Like he couldn't even have someone take him in a Quinjet. He's like, no, you're flying coach. (laughs) Someone says that. I still don't see why we didn't just fly them back ourselves, Doc. Captain Marvel's in capable hands now, She-Hulk, and no longer requires our personal attention. So yeah, so now there are four. Captain Marvel's off the team. The team has not been this small since, I Mm. guess, when it was Wasp, Thor, Iron Man, and Cap back Back when, when the people went on vacation or whatever. Back when uh, Dr. Pym was going to jail and was kicked out of the Avengers and Tiger got scared and quit. Oh, right after the Molecule Man thing. Yeah, there was only four of them then uh, until they brought more people in. I mean, obviously the kooky quartet. Sure, but normally a team of four is, we haven't seen that in a long time. And it's a team of four where one of the members is the Black Knight in an exoskeleton and Dr. Druid. So it's not the best team of four you could have. I did like the way John Basima drew this last panel, though, because it has Dr. Druid like bigger in the forefront with Nebula's face right over his shoulder, and then the other three are kind of in the background. And She-Hulk does not look pleased. No, she doesn't. And what? So there's a lot of things I don't love about the mind control. And clearly, if we didn't think Dr. Druid was bad enough for committing murder of Atlanteans a couple of issues ago, <laughs> the fact that he has mind controlled the team into voting for him should be enough to tell everybody, okay, this is a bad path this man is walking down. Yeah, I can't imagine, you know, once once we see the letters for this issue, you know, four or five issues from now, but what probably going to be some upset people. What I really don't understand is if he's mind controlling the Avengers to vote for him, don't She-Hulk and the Black Knight at some point in time go, why did I vote for him? Right, yeah. He, does he have to keep that up forever? Yeah. Every time they think about the vote, do they go, wait a minute, and then he has to re-zap their minds? It, you know, it seems like something that should come up. Or I, mean, I guess maybe if it happened, then they, that's how they remember it. And I'm like, yeah, I voted for the guy. Yeah. I don't know why, but I voted for him. Maybe. So, in any case, the bullpen bulletins this issue is more editorial changes. And I ask again, why do you insist on trying to tell us who the editors are? Stop it. Well, uh, this is the one where they don't tell us who they are. They tell us that two people left and they're like, they're going to be replaced by three people. We'll tell you sometime later. Okay. We just don't need to know. And Mark's remarks is him arguing that some people say comics are modern mythology, but I say they're wrong. And I disagree with him. I do, too. I find I thought his argument was just kind of snotty. His argument is horrible. And the more I read Mark's remarks, the less I like Mark Grunewald. (laughs) Right? He seems rather pretentious about some things. Mm Mm-hmm. He says, so his arguments for why comics aren't mythology is because... The manner of their creation was different. The purposes of them are different. The cultural bases are different. And his thing is like, oh, they can't be mythology because real myths, like everybody knew about them. And comics, like nobody reads comics. Yeah. Like, well, so they can still be mythology to the people who are aware of them. Well, and I would also, especially now, argue that, but even then, argue that everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Like, even in 1988, everybody knew who Spider-Man was. Well, he does say that. He said, aside from some of the better-known characters. Of course, Spider-Man's the only Marvel one he mentions. Superman, Spider-Man, well, Wonder Woman. Who? Well, let's be honest. Not it, Batman? It, well, okay, <laughs> p- point taken. But in the 1980s, except for Spider-Man, the only other Marvel character most people probably knew was maybe the Hulk. Oh, maybe Captain America. Maybe. I would, he'd been around from the 40s. Yeah, but I would argue that not in mass media. Not in mass media that people this time were, were consuming. I just... I mean, maybe Doctor Strange from that amazing 1970s movie. He says that the purposes of mythology and comics are different. No, they're not. They're to tell stories and entertain people. And Well, and I really, I, I really bump against 
superhero comics are created to entertain their audience and once in a blue moon get it to think while it's being entertained. I don't think that's true. Certainly not for all superhero comics. A lot of superhero comics give you things to think about. He's like, comics are strictly for their entertainment value. Which is bull. I mean, it depends on the comic. Yeah. Mythology, like myths, Aesop's fables, things that are to tell a story and like learn a lesson. But you can do the same types of stories. I mean, I w- Hulk is basically Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, there's and I would argue, allegories for all this stuff. I would argue that... So many of the 1960s comics were morality plays. Oh, yeah. If for no other reason than because the comics code made them to be morality plays. Especially DC comics. Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) So the idea, and of course, and I recognize that this is only the late 80s, so a lot of the groundbreaking superhero comics hadn't come out yet, but you'd still already had Watchmen. And you can't tell me Watchmen is not a story that's trying to go deeper than your typical superhero comic. Mythology was common knowledge. Superhero comics are an esoteric interest. You know what? There were also only like 400 people on Earth when mythology existed. Like, how do you expect it to be common knowledge when there's so many more people on the planet? Yeah, it's just, it's again, such a weird, weird argument. And it did make me go, you know what, Mark Rumon? You're kind of jerky. Yeah. And it's not the first time. This isn't just uh, the argument about whether or not Mark Grunewald should make Captain Marvel look weak and pathetic. It's just so many of his Mark's remarks. I'm like, dude, I completely disagree with what you're saying. I think you're wrong. There's a letter in here from uh, Viander Ross. And he says, uh, all in all, your best character is the Black Knight. The guy is easily the fourth most capable person to ever hold the name Avenger. Behind. (laughs) behind, (laughs) And the people that are ahead of him in that list are Hawkeye, Captain America, and Iron Man. Okay, I'll give you Captain America. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, know about I, mean, I and Iron might Man. even put Hawkeye on there. I would not put Iron no, Man. No, not in the uh, least. Uh, weird. <laughs> There's a lot of references to Doctor Druid, and oh, I'm really enjoying Doctor Druid's musings. And oh, here's oh oh, that's from the same letter. I have but one complaint. Okay, maybe two. One, <laughs> kill off Marina. I don't care why. I don't care how. This character appealed little to me in Alpha Flight under John Byrne and appeals to me even less in The Avengers. Thank you. Done and done. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, she can go. Uh, we're like, what, halfway done, finally? With this? Yeah, we have three more issues. This is 294, so we have 95, 96, 97. This all wraps up in 297. And then we have like a three-issue story to get to 300, or? We have a three-part storyline where the team is rebuilt. Okay. All right. But we have an annual in there in between when there is no team. So that someone will listen to that in, uh, when will that be recorded? In the summer? Uh, probably. <laughs> because doing we, one of these a week? We're going over to the West Coast Avengers ah. to do their storyline where that team falls apart. That's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah you're not wrong oh if you have any questions or comments you can reach us uh, by email at avengingour at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram and facebook at avengingour thanks for listening bye-bye